My name is Ian Bick, and you're tuned in to Locked In with Ian Bick. On this week's episode, I interview Colin Ray, who, after committing a series of robberies in his hometown, goes to prison, gets out, and becomes one of TikTok's biggest prison social media influencers. We all make mistakes, experience failure, and fall down in life. But if you decide to get back up and use it as fuel to your fire, you can choose to not let it define you. You can make it through to the other side and turn it into an opportunity. I went from owning a popular nightclub when I was 19 years old to becoming a federal inmate by the time I was 21. Join me, Ian Bick, as I interview people from all over the country who have experienced the rock bottom of the American justice system. Colin Ray, the OG prison talker, the friendliest felon on TikTok, that, that you icon that name. Welcome to Locked In with Ian Bick. I appreciate you having me, man. Awesome. What was your childhood like growing up? So my childhood wasn't too different from anybody else. My dad was in the military. We moved around a lot, which was nice, but not at times. Just kind of depended on where you were living, like whether you liked it or not. And uh, eventually when I was 11, my dad got stationed at the Pentagon. So we moved to, you know, central Pennsylvania, which is like an hour and 20 minute drive from DC. He would commute back and forth every day. So we got stuck in, I I always say stuck in Pennsylvania, but I was also born in Pennsylvania because my dad was stationed there previously outside of Philadelphia. And that's where I met my mom. So my childhood was like, it was normal. You know what I mean? For a military family, got beat a lot for nothing and pretty typical as far as military goes. Now in high school, are you involved in drugs, criminal mischief, anything like that? So I started smoking weed when I was 14. It was right after I, it was the day I, actually it was the day I got off probation. I was on juvenile probation for a year from a felony that I got when I was 13 um, for a uh, terroristic threat and uh, institutional vandalism. So that kind of answers that question for you about the, you know, causing issues as a juvenile. Why were you on juvenile probation? So when I was 13, um, like any other kid, you know, play sports or you're in band, you have some sort of extracurricular. So my extracurricular was baseball. So the like stipulation from my dad was I had to get, you know, above a C in every class to be able to play. So like, I'm not good at math. I've never really been good at math. You know what I mean? Like if we're doing math out of like 28 grams, I'm fine with that. But out of just normal, like algebra, I'm not good at that. So I'm failing math and I know that I'm about to fail this test. So if I fail this test, there's no chance I'm going to be able to play baseball the rest of the year. It's the beginning of May. So I'm like, man, this kind of like sucks. Like I got to get out of this test somehow. So, you know, I could just be like, oh, I'm sick. Or I'm, I'm like, no, I'm going to write a bomb threat. I write a bomb threat on the wall of the bathroom. How do you get this idea? Um, so this girl had just got arrested for it in the, in the next school district over like a week before. I saw it in the paper that she had just done this bomb threat and got arrested for it. So why I thought that I could do it and get away with it, I, that never really correlated in my mind. But at the time, in my 13-year-old unmedic- unmedicated mind, I'm like, nah, this will work. This is, this is it. Like, this is the one. And it was, it was not the one. Do you think you were causing trouble in high school because of your military family background? So I didn't really get in much trouble after that. So that incident was when I was, in, I was 13. I was in eighth grade. I got expelled for the end of that year, and I was eligible to come back to school after the first semester of my freshman year. But in my school district, eighth and ninth grade was in one school, and the, the high school was 10 through 12 at, at that time. 
So when I came back to school, I was still in the same school that I just got expelled from a year before, but I wasn't getting in trouble anymore because I was medicated now for my ADHD. So I was not making all these same impulsive decisions. The only trouble that I got in while I was in high school was like a couple of fights here and there. But like, that was also just like typical, like growing up shit. It wasn't like some like me causing a real problem or anything or like committing a crime. Are you hanging out with a bad crowd at all? At that time, not really. I'm pretty much like the one in the circle that's like, if you look at our circle, like he's probably the one that would get into trouble with me. But I wasn't really doing anything at that time. I was just kind of, you know, typical high school. I was getting good grades, but I was a stoner. But I was playing sports. It was just like all of that, like, culminated into one. And you decide not to go to college after high school. Yeah, I wanted to take a gap year. And that gap year didn't work out so well. I mean, we took a gap. There was a gap for sure. I just didn't expect it to be as long as it was. (laughs) Okay. So how do you go from, like, the stoner, chilled back, played sports in high school to doing a string of robberies? right after high school graduation? So that's a very good question. It's a question I've been asked quite a few times in my life. Um, have you ever seen the movie The Town? Yeah, love The Town. Okay, so I love The Town too. I saw The Town for the first time like two weeks before I was in jail, right? And I'm watching it and like, I'm like, damn, that looks easy. That looks so easy. Like maybe not a bank or maybe not, you know, a fictitious, a fictitious you know, Fenway Park. But like, Robbing doesn't look that hard, especially where I live. Like, everything's far away from each other. There's no cops. The closest precinct is 25 minutes. So unless you're already, like, in the area, you're not going to – you don't have, like, a panic button. There's none of that. So I was like, I could do that. Like, and then I did it. You get the mask and everything. Yeah. Tell me about the robberies. How's it go down? So the first robbery – um, so, like, I – I'm not the smartest criminal, right? Most criminals aren't like overly like brilliant anyway, but like if we're looking at like, why would you do this? I'm probably on the low end of the totem pole for that. So I ro- the first business that I robbed was a place that I had previously worked, right? I had got fired from there about six months before um, for a just reason. I didn't stock the fridges, right? Or whatever they fired me. I was still in school at that time. So I was gonna rob a different store. But there was too many people there, and I got spooked. So I was like, oh, I don't want to go in there with all these people. So I'm And like, you're by yourself. No, I'm with somebody. So he's in the car with me, but he never he never got charged. I had multiple people with me for multiple robberies, but at this time, the one person that was with me for this case, he never got booked. He never got charged, nothing. Um, I'm like, I can't rob this, bro. Like, I got to go to the next place. So I'm just, like, driving down the street, like, looking for more mom-and-pop shops. And I'm like, oh... I know this in and out. Oh, and it's like 8.30. They didn't even put the shit in safe yet. I know I'm good. So, like, I wasn't, like, you know, some hardened criminal. So, for my first robbery, I had a baseball bat. And I was like, this will work. If 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 they don't want to give me the money, I'll break something. Then they'll give it to me. So, I go in with the baseball bat. They just give me the money right up. I run out, get in the car. With leave. a baseball bat? The baseball bat. How, how old are you? 18. So they Barely were, 18. And they were afraid of you with a baseball bat. And yeah. then how much money did you get? $892. And then what happens next? Um, I got a call like 10 minutes later from my homie that worked at. So there's the mom and pop shop that I was going to rob. Like a mile up the road, there's another one. But that's like right next to my parents' house. And I know everybody there. So I don't go there. So I go to the next one. So the people that work here that I know call me and they're like, yo, you good? I'm like, yeah, why? Mind you, nobody knew that this just happened. I'm like, yeah, why? They're like, bro, there's like seven state troopers at your parents' house. I'm like, what? 
that's crazy. I don't know why they would ever be at my parents' house. Like, that's just wild to me. I'm like, yeah, I don't know, bro. Click. I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, that didn't last long. Like, what? So the people where I used to work, I didn't realize because, like, I'm dumb and not really paying attention that there was someone in the kitchen that I used to work with. So they kind of, like, looked at my description and said, it could be him and he's local based off his size. Because, like, I'm not, you know, 5'8", slim build. I'm 6'4", and at that time, a stick. Like, I'm very, like, there's not a lot of 6'4", real skinny people walking around this tiny place. And this is a small town. Yeah, so, like, where there's, like, a population of, like, our population where I, like, where our home was is so small that our town name is for a town that's 10 minutes away. No, you didn't think at all to go to a different town? I don't know those towns enough to know how to rob them. How to rob them. <laughs> okay. Or I thought so I thought. So you're a couple robberies in by this point? That's the first. That was your first one? Do you get caught by those state troopers or No. Okay. You go back home? No. Oh, you're on the run this whole week. So basically, but like so then they call me and they're like where are you? I'm like I'm at work. They're like okay, like you know, well we ha- we heard that my parents are calling me and where are you? I'm at work. I'm at work. I'm at work. So I go to work. And then I just, like, kind of wait there, like, in case, right? And then the next day, the cops call me, and they're like, hey, can you come in for questioning for this robbery? It's like, I'm not under arrest. There's no warrant, nothing like that. And I'm like, yeah, sure, like, what time? And they're like, oh, can you come in tomorrow at, like, like it was, like, 4 p.m. or something. So I was like, yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm sure I will. So um, I'm like... Now I'm scrambling. I'm like, damn, I got to get out of town. I got to go. Mind you, this money from this robbery is only $800. It's already gone. What do you spend it on? So at the time, me and my me and my dad were, you know, not on the best terms. So I wasn't going home. So I used the money to book a hotel room to just not have to be around my dad, which is, I don't know, sounds dumb. But like at the time, like we're partying and we're hanging out and shit. So I'm like, I got like 12 people in this hotel. We're just trashing this hotel room. It made sense in your mind at the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now looking back, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, that makes no sense. But at the time it was like, nah, bro, like this, this is the move. Like, so you skip the police station yeah. and you go rob some more places. Yeah. I robbed four more stores in the next week. How much do you get? Total. I made like $2,800. That's it. Yep. So you screwed up the whole beginning of your life over $2,800. Yep. How do you feel about that now? Great. I feel absolutely fantastic about it for multiple reasons that we'll get into. Yeah. So how do you end up getting caught? So I end up getting caught because (laughs) some of this shit to like say it sounds so dumb. And that's what's funny about it, right? Like I'm not laughing to minimize. I'm laughing because like when I say this shit out loud, it's like, what were you doing? So like I had a Toyota Camry at the time and uh, I got rear-ended by somebody that was getting rear-ended like two days after I got it, right? So, like, I'm waiting to get it fixed. Like, my back end is, like, fucked up. Like, my trunk is latched with the fucking, like, bungee cord. Like, my tail light is, like, fucked up. Like, you can tell there's, like, serious damage to the back of this car. And that's the car that we're using as the getaway car. So, it's like, oh, it was a green car that was smashed to shit. So, they have a be on the lookout for this car. End up realizing that the car is also in my parents' name. Right? So, then they see the car. So they watch for a little bit to see where I'm going because I'm not driving the car. Then where they see, because we're staying at this hotel. So then <laughs> within an hour of the like the last robbery, 
there at the door with 30 state troopers. You know what I mean? Get the fuck on the ground. I'm like, oh shit. Like, so you're caught. Yeah, like I'm cooked. I'm what like, about what about your co-defendant? He cooked too. He cooked across the street. So you guys are both yeah, done. Yeah, we're just done. It's a damn near same time. <laughs> they take you to the police station. Yeah. And what happens? They just sit us next to each other. Oh, they put you in the both the same room. They no, we were in the fuck we weren't even in a bullpen. And this place is so fucking small that we're sitting on a bench inside the police station. There's like all these people like they're doing fingerprints over there. They're talking to somebody over there. They're fucking doing probably like finance or something. And we're just sitting here like this, like tapping each other back and forth, like, yeah, we're fucked. Do you admit to it? Yeah, so I did admit to it. So I admitted to what I did. He admitted to what he did, but he didn't tell me he admitted to what he did. So I went in and said what I did. He went in there, said he said what he did. But really was like, I didn't do shit. So what happens to him? So he ends up getting charged too. Oh, okay. Which was like what was going to happen regardless. It and was they reverse, let, yeah. Right, like it, they had, it's the fucking driver and the person that did it. Like they, they got us, you know what I mean? So. What do your parents think? What's your dad's reaction to this? So I didn't talk to my dad till I went to Camp Hill, which is like prison, like classification. I didn't talk to my dad. Um, or maybe I talked to him like on the phone or something. But like, I was like still like, at that point, I was more like, damn, he's going to like be mad and like scold me. And then I realized like, it don't matter, bro. Like your dad's scolding you right now is not going to fucking, he can't beat you. You know what I mean? Like you're behind the glass. Like you can't do nothing to you. So it becomes one of those things where it's just like, fuck it. When I first talked to my mom, I was like, they're lying. I didn't do it. I swear they got the wrong person. And the next time I'm like, all right, so listen, because like, I don't like, I'm thinking, you know what I mean? What does she say to you? She's just like, she's just devastated. Like, she don't even really know what to say. She's just like, what the fuck? And then she's like, well, how much time are you going to get? And like, that's what's like, you know, sucks about my case is that, yes, it was my first time as an adult in trouble. My felony from when I was 13 was was used as my, gra like in my gravity score, but not really. It was like, they could see it, but they weren't like supposed to use it against me because of how young I was when I got it. So if you look at my charge on like, I don't know if they have a sentencing matrix where you, yeah, like essentially, matrix, like yep. this is your gravity score. This is the crime you committed. Bring them down. That's your starting minimum. Or they whatever. call it the sentencing guidelines. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So for my case, my starting minimum was anywhere from nine to 23 months. So I was like, that's not that bad. And then for my next case, it was from 24 to 48 months. So that's a two to four, three to six, four to eight, something like that. So they come back. And they're like, everybody in the jail is telling me, like, bro, it's your first case. They'll give you 11 and a half to 23 in the county. As long as you'll fuck up, you'll be fine. I'm like, okay. It makes me feel a little bit better. So I come in. They're like, okay. So my, you know, public defender comes in because my mom was going to go get me a lawyer. And they were like, uh, we're not taking this case. They're like, this, there's nothing we can do. They're like, he has mandatory sentencing on this on, on this case, there's nothing that we can do unless we go to trial and lose. Did they consider you an armed robber? Yes. Well, because I, I used a baseball bat in one, but I used a BB gun in others. So that's considered a firearm. If Even if I go with my hand in my shirt and you can't tell what it is, it's considered a firearm. So they slapped me with two mandatory minimums, 60 to 120 months. So now I can get no less than a five to 10, no matter what. So I'm like, okay, like that sucks. And you're not on bail, I'm assuming. No, 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 no. I would have ran. And I told my mom that from the door. My bail was 200000 so they would have had to pay twenty, And I would have... <laughs> Imagine how much different your life would be now if you got bail in that instance. Yeah, I mean, I don't... Yeah, I probably would have caught more cases, honestly. I probably... I don't know what would have happened. Like, 
I don't even want to think about what would happen. It wouldn't have been good, though. So they slapped the 60 to 120 months. Do you yeah. take the deal? So that they, t- they tell me they're enacting the mandatory minimum. My lawyer tells me. Um, they come back. I get a letter from, uh, like, um, I don't even remember what it's called. I forget what they call it in Pennsylvania now. It's like when your lawyer sends you a letter. Um, legal mail. What the fuck? Oh, I've been out for a little bit. Um, so I get legal mail, and it's like 5 to 10 plus one to two consecutive and the two less serious robberies which would be the ones I didn't use a BB gun in you pay court cost fines and restitution you take the conviction and acknowledge that we have enough to prosecute but you or no it, it was null prosecute so you acknowledge we have enough to convict you, you if you pay the shit we're not going to give you the actual felony on your record or whatever because they're the less less serious crimes so I take the 6 to 12 as soon as I take it I get smacked in another county for a robbery. So they bring me to their county. And they're like, we want you to do one more year than Franklin County sentenced you to. So we want you to do 7 to 14. Because I have a 6 to 12. But not knowing like how all the bail and everything. When I went to that county, I was going upstate the next day. Like My county that I was in was sending me upstate. They just took me for court that day. So when I was there, the cop on the way there told me, he was like, hey, listen, so if you take, if you get them to give you unsecured bond, you'll go upstate tomorrow. If you give, if they give you bond and you just tell them to keep it, they'll ship you from your county to this county and you'll sit here until all your court proceedings are done here. Then you'll go upstate. And I was like, bro, I don't want to sit in a county jail anymore. Not knowing that if I am like, hey, I'll take unsecured bail because I'm going to prison, that my time won't start running. I don't know that. So now technically I'm on bail for this case, even though I'm still in custody. So by the time I got sentenced, they were trying to give me that 7 to 14. But by the time I was getting sentenced, I'd already been in jail for a year. And I had no time in on this case. So if they give me a 7 to 14, I'm doing 7 from that moment. But I already have a year in. So that's 8 years instead of the original 6. I'm like, that's 2 extra years. If you sentence me to a, I tell my lawyer, I was like, I'm not taking that. If you get them to give me a six to 12, it's already overlapped by this year. I do seven. Like, no matter what, I do seven. And he's like, all right. They go back and they're like, all right, fuck it. Like, whatever. You know what I mean? Because at that point, like, they just want me out of their hair. Like, they're getting the conviction. They're getting the extra year that they wanted. I just wasn't going to go for them giving me two. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to give me an extra year just to serve your county, whatever, whatever. Like, at that point, there's not much difference between six and seven, unfortunately. You know what I mean? At that point, you're in it. You know what I mean? Like, so I get that. I'm upstate already at that time, so I'm just coming down. I come down, get sentenced, and that's when my new fresh six years starts. I was in the federal prison system, and guys would always talk about how they hated county jail yeah. because sometimes they hold federal inmates. Mm-hmm. What's that like for you? So, like, being in the county? Yeah. I fucking hate the county. Um, as what, what makes it so bad? You just don't have as many freedoms as you do in prison. Everything's overpriced. There's You're stuck on this small contained block, there's no movement. Like regular prison in Pennsylvania, you wake up, you walk to chow for a meal, you walk back to the block, you can get on the phone, you can go to yard when they call it. There's none of that in the county. There's none of that. You're just on a block all day in a jumpsuit playing cards. And how long, how long were you in county for? So I sat in county for almost five months from the door. And then, like, going on rip, maybe, like, another, like, month total throughout my sentence. So, like, six months total. Do you think they make it like that to encourage people to plead out faster? So, yeah, 100%. I think that and 
you know, cash bail or complicit in getting a getting a conviction. That's all, that's really what they want. Like there was a I came down on on writ for one of my cases and um I got into an altercation with the white supremacist. He had said some racist shit about people that I knew and then was coming at me because I was white and around them. So I was like, okay, but like in Pennsylvania, if even if I'm in prison, if I'm in prison and I get in a fight, I go to the hole. I get a misconduct. It's going to affect my parole. When you go to the county, even if you're already in prison, if you come to the county and get in a fight, get in a misconduct, you go to the hole in the county. But when you go back to prison, you're not in the hole. They don't even know about the write-up. So it's kind of like free wreck. Like anything that happens down there happens. So as soon as he's like running his mouth, I was like, okay, yeah, like that's cool. I told my homie, like, yo, pack my shit because I'm about to beat his ass. So I, I beat his ass. But I beat his ass bad enough that they gave me a fucking street charge for it. So now I get charged with an assault. So now I have to come back to the county for this assault case. And you're just 18 at the time. At this time, I'm 19. You're 19. So I'm down here on this. Now I'm fighting this assault case. And there, it's only a simple assault. So it's only the max they can give me is a one or two. That's the max. So they can give me no, no more than that. And they're like, yeah, so um, your plea deal is a one or two run consecutive. And I was like, what? I was like, no, nah, eat a dick. And they were like... Like, they were like, like, like astonished that I told them to fuck off. And they were like, well, one or two is the max. I was like, yeah, so if you think that I'm going to bleed out to a one or two running crooked from my sentence when you have no evidence of this so-called assault or fight, like this shit happened off camera. Like there's no, there was eight people in the little area where it happened. You can't prove I did anything. The only reason I'm even going to plead out is because I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with being in the fucking county. Exactly like you said. So they're like, okay, like, well, I tell my lawyer, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm not taking it. So we go back and forth for like a couple months about it. And they're like, okay, we'll give you the one to two concurrent. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll sign it. Like, so you're sentenced to what? Six to 12 is the final. So, so if you look at like my, um, like status sheet, like what they give you in prison, like show your sentence, it's five to 10, one to two running consecutive, six to 12 running concurrent to that six to 12, one to two running concurrent to the other six to 12, to the original six to 12. That's a whole lot to decipher. Right. So, like, right now, right now, I'm on parole, and but I only have one active case. So, three of my cases are maxed out. So, the original 5 to 10 is done. The original 6 to the, the 1 to 2 is almost done. They'll be finished this year, and then I get off parole next year when my final sentence is complete. What were your thoughts during sentencing? At which one? The first? At, at everything the put first, together. The yeah. first, I knew for like six weeks, like what my sentence was going to be. Like my mom was there and they were doing like DUI court or something that day. And there was like six people that I knew in there for DUI court. So there was like hella people. They're like, yo, what's up? And I'm like, but like they don't even realize, like they know I'm in jail, but like they don't realize like the scope or the magnitude of what's going on. They're just like, oh yeah, like you're getting sense. Is that where your famous jumpsuit photo was taken? Yeah, so that one of them, one of them in the yellow. <laughs> yeah, the yellow, yeah. So my mom actually, um, in Pennsylvania, there's a very strict, like no phones in courthouses or jails, right? Like you, you don't see like a lot of like documentaries in Pennsylvania because it's very, they're very strict with their shit. Well, most courthouses are like that. Right, but like, like there's some like you'll look like, some states still have cameras in the courtroom, but some they'll be drawing pictures of the people. You know what I mean? Like when Bill Cosby went to trial out here, like they were coming back with like this painting of Bill Cosby sitting here like, oh my God. Like, so it's a little bit different, but yeah, somehow my mom got these pictures of me and uh, obviously I didn't see them until I came home. The one picture um, 
was like actually from like a video clip that they ran on the news, which I, I wish I could find because it's, it's an interesting clip, um, but I, I just can't find it. It was a long time ago. Technology isn't the way it is now. It wasn't like that back then, you know? Now, do you feel regret for your actions at this point in time while you're at sentencing? Uh, absolutely. I wrote a letter to my victims. And mind you, I had to get sentenced in two different counties. So, like, my victims were there. I wrote letters to them to read at sentencing. And, I, and like, I truly was remorseful. And not because, like, oh, I got caught. I'd been come to terms with the fact that I got caught. But at the end of the day, like, these were innocent people just doing their job. And, like, the way I'm looking at it before I do it and, like, as I'm doing this stuff is, like, it ain't gonna bother them none. It's not their shit. Like these businesses are gonna pay for the shit. Like who cares? But like what I wasn't taking into account is like the emotional, like distress of being robbed. You know what I mean? Like these people aren't, especially in a violent way. Yeah, like these people aren't doing anything. Regardless, if I'm using a calm tone, like somebody, whether you know it's a gun or not, like somebody pointing something at you or demanding something from you, like that's not that's not right. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, I know that now. And I knew that pretty quick after. Like, I probably knew that when I was doing it that I, you know what I mean? Like, nobody's like, oh, I think robbery's okay. Like, you know that. You know you're not supposed to be doing that shit. You know what I mean? But that doesn't make it any easier to just not do it in that moment when you're already in it the way I was in it. You know what I mean? Do you think it, had you never seen that movie, this never would have happened? So I don't think this specifically would have happened. But something else would have happened. It was just, I had a, I got a DUI two weeks before this happened. Um, I had gotten another assault charge, a conspiracy committed simple assault, like a month before that for somebody shooting somebody with a BB gun out of my car. Like it wasn't like, regardless of what I got in trouble for, I was gonna end up in trouble. Like I was gonna end up in the same boat. Like that was the path I was on. When's that moment hit you where you're like, shit, I just screwed up my life at this point because you're 19 and you're going to jail for six to 12 years so the initial moment was the first time i was in a police car that was the initial fuck like i fucked this up but at that point i don't know how long i fucked it up the next point was when i had to when i got that sentencing paperwork like when i got that plea in the mail i was in a hole so i had to call i had to like call on the bubble thing like on like the call button tell them that I needed to contact my lawyer. I went and called my lawyer, told my lawyer to tell my mom to come see me. So then I had my mom come up and you only get, when you're in the hole, you only get a half hour. Like you still get visits, but it's a half hour through the glass. So my mom comes to see me and that's, and I tell her that. And that's when we had that like moment of like, fuck, like this is what, yeah, like this is what it is. Like if I don't take it, I do, I get 20 if I go to trial and lose. Like I'm kind of stuck. Like it's kind of what it is. So you take the plea deal, you get sentenced and then they move you from County to the state prison. What's that like as a young white kid in a Pennsylvania state prison? It's you. Pennsylvania is a big state. It's not like, it's not California, but it's not Connecticut. You know what I mean? Like how long does it take you to drive across Connecticut from one end to the other? Uh, two hours, maybe. Two hours. So, like, that's how long it takes me to get to Pittsburgh, which is the closest big city. You know what I mean? So, there's a lot of people. And it's it's nerve-wracking. Like, you're 18. I'm 18 when I'm going upstate. Like, my birthday was September 13th. I got arrested Halloween night. I was upstate March 22nd the next year. It's not even a year since I graduated. It's been nine months since I graduated high school. Your friends are all in college and you're sitting in a prison cell. Right. 
I know nobody besides like older people that I know from the county. Like eventually, like I run into people that I know because, but that's all after me. Is anyone questioning why you're there? Yeah, people ask all the time, like, "Yo, what'd you do? Oh, I robbed a bunch of fucking stores." Did they believe you? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because that's the thing in Pennsylvania. Everybody has a status sheet, so if anybody doesn't believe you, just like, oh, it's friend. like checking paperwork. Yeah, but like nobody really does that because everybody knows somebody. So, for instance, say I went upstate right now, right? And, or, no, not say I went upstate. Say I was in the county jail for five months, then I go upstate, I'm there. And people were asking me, like, damn, like, what are you here for, or whatever. People don't normally just, like, ask you that off-rip. There's normally people that, like, are befriending you, like, you're talking to them, and they're like, yeah, so, like, yo, you know, what'd you get booked for, or whatever. And then, you, you know, tell them. A lot of times, the people that you end up clicking up with in Pennsylvania are the people from your area, from your town. So the first people that I'm seeing when I get to prison that are like, yo, like, we're over here, or people I was in the county with. So they already know what I was in jail for. And they're already established in the jail. So when they see me with these people, they're like, oh, well, he obviously didn't do nothing weird. Now, every once in a while, you'll somebody will slither their way into the cracks, and you've got to weed them out. But, like, it's very easy to just be like, yo, this is my status sheet. Or, like, yo, you can literally have your people look my, look my number up. Like, it's normally not. And you know how it goes, too. Because, like... Like, okay, for instance, you have glasses, you're young and white. Like, they stereotype that. Yeah, I'm a sex offender. That's what they stereotype it. You know what I mean? Me, I'm 6'4", playing basketball. The only white dude on the basketball court. They're not, they're looking at me like, oh, he's just a dude. And you had facial hair at the time, right. too? Right. Yeah, yeah, I had a beard since I was, like, 16. Yeah, I can't grow a beard for <laughs> shit. <laughs> so, um, what type of people are you around with in the prison? Like, who's housed with you? What do you mean, as far as, like, custody level? Custody, types of crimes, is it mixed together? So in Pennsylvania, they have like one minimum security jail that's like dorms. They have a bunch of mediums and then they have like the maxes, which are like with the walls or like they're the super maxes at the wall. But everything, so like if you have an escape charge, they send you somewhere with a wall instead of a fence. But everywhere else, they classify you four through two. So four being like violent. Three being like you could be violent, but maybe not, and two being like more minimum. So like five is in the hole, one is on parole, and um, I go up and get classified as a four. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go to a level four jail, but that's not how it works. That's how they make it seem like it works, but that's not how it works. How it works is they send everyone everywhere. Don't matter what makes a jail a max or a medium in Pennsylvania is the amount of cameras and the amount of fences and the amount of towers. So if you go somewhere with three towers, it might be a medium. You go somewhere with four, it's a max. You go somewhere with one, it's a min. So you're in there with everybody. There's In every jail, there's lifers to, you know, eight months for a drug charge with three years on the tails. Like, it's, there's just everybody mixed with everybody. And prison fights. I know you got into the prison fight in, in the uh, county. county. Yeah. What prison fights are you getting into in the state prison? I didn't get in a single fight while I was actually incarcerated in the DOC. So you went from this over-energetic, get into fights, f- screw around to mellow? and The first thing my homies told me, because like I said, I was in the county with people and they were, you know, some of the people I was in the county with were already upstate. They were down for court and stuff. So when I got to my home jail, that's what they call it once you go from classification to you're like the prison you'll be in. Once I got to my home jail, the people that I knew were like, listen, like, now the shit that you do doesn't just affect you. Like, it affects us, too. So, like, if you're getting into shit, we're getting into shit. And like, we trying to go home. Like, we're here now. Like, let's try to get out. Like, 
Don't be getting a bunch of dumb write-ups. It's stupid. So you're maturing and growing up very quickly. You have to. You have no choice. But some people don't do that. I mean, I've been in prison with young guys. Right. They're still, they're selling drugs. They're, you know, they're the first ones if they get into a gang or, or a car or whatever, that they're the ones that go and stab someone up or do whatever. Right. But you stayed away from all that? Yeah. So it, it's, there's not a lot of gang activity in Pennsylvania. There's gangs, but there's like not that many people in them. There's not a lot of gangs in general in Pennsylvania, like on the streets even. You know what I mean? It's not like California or like LA or that's in California, like New York or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not really like that. So, like I said, a lot of times it's broken down by, like, where you're geographically from in a state. So, you know, this this table might be North Philly. That table might be Pittsburgh, that Harrisburg, Reading. You know what I mean? Breaking down like that. So the dudes that I was with had already been there. They were all from my town or, like, the surrounding little towns right there. And, like, all they did was play ball and work out. I, don't, I didn't work out. I'm not even going to say in front. They would, like, try to get me to work out for, like, the longest they'd be like oh come on come work out i'd work out for like two weeks but you played sports yeah i played sports yeah. every day yeah. you know what i mean but like they always wanted to lift and shit they're like bro you'll be so big if you lift and i was like yeah i don't care i don't like doing it i just i don't want to like no i'm good i'm gonna go play ball i'm gonna play catch whatever like i'll go play horseshoes like whatever. so that's what you did every day that's just... what i did every day or i gambled gambled yeah. all right let's hear about the gambling so i don't know what they play in the feds but um in pennsylvania like you start off playing spades, and then I love you spades. realize mm -hmm. that spades is corny compared to pinochle. Mm -hmm. So you start playing pinochle, and then if you want to really gamble, you can gamble in those games. But if you want to really gamble, they have you know poker tables and shit, and they can go, they can go from playing you know five hundred dollars in a hand to you know a suit. So it just kind of depends on like what you're you know what I mean working with, and it, it just really depends on like the day, like what you're doing. Like oh, okay, like a lot of times I just gambled with like people that I knew because it makes it a lot easier than having to like. Oh, track these people down and be like, oh, okay, like we're waiting on the money at the end of yard. Like, oh, let me go get it. Like, you never come back. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't like to gamble in the yard too much. I gambled a lot on the block because in the yard was an opportunity for me to be playing basketball or playing football or something. So it's like I can gamble and you know block out tonight when we're not allowed in the yard. Like, I'm not gonna waste my afternoon gambling right now. Like, what's the living situation like? Is it dorms? Is it in a cell? Uh, so it's two man cells. And it gets, you get locked in every night? Mm -hmm. You get locked in, like, so the schedule is they open the doors, depending on what jail you're in, anywhere from 6.15 to 7. So we'll just say where I came home from, they open the doors at 7. Um, that's when they'll start, like, doing phone calls. If you signed up the night before for a phone call early, they'll call, you know, pill line. They'll call breakfast. People go out, come back. They'll call school and work lines. So if you're going in GD, GED program for secondary education or work. So like when I, when I worked in the wood shop, when they call work lines, that's when I would leave the block. And then everyone else is locked in their cell. Then they'll call yard. You go out. If you don't go out, you stay locked in your cell. Once you come back in from yard, you lock in your cell. Then you wait there until lunch, whether, unless you have a phone call or something. Then when you come back from lunch, you lock in your cell. Then you're in your cell for two hours until afternoon yard. Then when you, if you don't go to afternoon yard, you stay in your cell. There's not, like, dual yard and block out at the same time. Like, if you don't want to go to the yard, you're locked in the majority of the day, which is why, like, I'm always in the yard. Like, I hate being locked in. Like, I mean, anybody I feel like would be, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what, so, what's the most corrupt thing you've witnessed correctional staff do in that prison? Uh, so there was a CO that it happened on my block, too. And we know them, and, like, nobody knew about it until they all got caught for it. Which was crazy because our blocks were small at that time. It was only like 32 cells on a block. They were not, they maybe like two of these rooms. 
Like, it wasn't crazy big. And uh, we're chilling on the block one night, and this phone goes off. And there's not phones in PA. Like, there are, but there's not. Like, I heard, I heard about two incidents with phones the whole time I was in there. Like, it's just not a common thing there. So we hear, so then, like, the CEOs, like, rush the block and shit. And then they, we find out that one of the CEOs that was working ended up getting taken out in cuffs, right? That so, same day? Yeah, that, that night, like an hour later. So this dude, this the cop was bringing him in K2, like bought a boatload to sell. He was just giving him, that he was taking it to the people that actually like sell drugs in the jail and paying them to do it for him, which is like, you know what I mean? Typical, like any, anywhere, you know what I mean? So that he didn't have his hands on shit. And they, they did this shit for like years and would have probably never got caught if he had that phone ringer off. But because that phone went off, and as soon as that happened, you know, you know how wow, he told right on the CEO, yeah. so got transferred and everything like that. But that was like the most like probably like the most corrupt like you know thing that I saw. Like there's other shit, but like I'm not, I don't want to speak on shit that like they didn't get caught for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just because you ain't trying, you know what I mean. K two was big in your prison. Yes. For very. those that don't know what K two is, what is it? It's a synthetic cannabinoid. Basically, it like. Feels like weed if you smoke it, which like I don't. I this don't shit know. screws people like, up though. I, I've seen people literally go crazy. I've seen people rip their dreads out and fight the cops and roll around on the ground high. Like it's it's crazy. They like, would put a chair in the bathroom and count time would always get messed up at night because these guys would be slumped over in the chair because they hit K two. That's crazy. And it doesn't test for anything when they were testing for weed or oh, whatever. Oh really? Doesn't come up. See, they had a special test. They had a special. Okay, yeah. we didn't have that. It was at like the a twelve hundred panel. Wow. Like, yeah, they would they would send it out specifically for that. Yeah, I guess they caught on to it eventually, but this yeah. stuff just screws you up, and they would spray it on paper, and then yep. you would smoke it, they'd get it through the mail, yep. and then eventually they banned colored paper and scented paper and everything like oh, that. Oh, see, they banned all our mail. You guys weren't getting mail at all? No, they, they so, and right, this was not even long before I came home. This is twenty eight end of 2018, like September. There was, and it was, if we're keeping it real, the cops did a lot of lying in the situation to get what they wanted from the state government. So these cops started falling out in the mail rooms from fentanyl, right? Which if you touch fentanyl, you don't overdose and fall out from it, right? So they're saying that they're getting paper in the mail that's K2 sprayed laced with fentanyl, right? That doesn't even make any sense, but whatever, right? So they lock us down like statewide because, and it like made the news and everything. It was like 18 COs in like six different jails, right? Very, very strategic suddenly just happened all at once, right? So they lock us all down and like they bring the cert team in. Like they're like really searching, searching. Like, you know, they're finding shit certain places. They got the water cut off, everything. They start like loosening it up a little bit more and more people start falling out because people are still smoking the K2 and they're just using that CD. People are falling out. This is what it is. And then uh, they were like, no more mail. If you want to get mail, you can send it to Smart Corrections in Florida. So you can mail a letter. You write Smart Connections or Smart Corrections or some shit like that. The jail that they're in, their name, their state number, all that, send it down there. They get it. They scan it and send a copy to the jail. The jail prints it out and gives you your letter. Same with pictures. So you get your letter, but you don't. 
Yeah, they, like, were, they started doing that in the feds towards the end. Yeah. They were get, doing the copies and whatnot. And then this is where, like, the money came in. They're like, we need full-body scanners for the visit room. So the state's like, oh, all these COs are falling out. We got you. We'll sign off on this $50 million project. So they send in full-body scanner for us and full-body scanner for your people to come through. That's wild. Right. And... That was a little better than what it used to be technically for them coming in. It's still invasive, but like they used to do like the hand wand and my mom would fail the hand wand all the time because of whatever, whatever meds she was taking at the time was secreting something from her skin. She got a letter from a doctor and everything, but they were saying that she was failing for LSD every time she came. My mom at the time was, my mom's a full-time, like stay-at-home mom, going to school full-time, getting her bachelor's degree, taking care of my dementia-ridden dad. And they're like, she's probably running the LSD lab. <laughs> like, bro, what? So they end up suspending my mom from visits for like six months while we're like fighting it and shit. It was corny as fuck. On the topic of visits, what are the visits like in state prison? Um, basically, you come in, get stripped out. You put a jumpsuit on. You don't wear your regular, like whatever you're wearing in the jail. And uh, the visits really aren't that bad in PA. Um, Can you guys sit next to each other? Yes. Hug, you, kiss? Yep. You get a hug and kiss at the beginning, hug and kiss at the end. And depending on who the CO is, like... You can like have your arm around them or like get away with like kissing like a little bit like like here and there. Are there snacks at all? Vending yeah. machines? Yep, vending machines. Yeah. Uh, you can get pictures taken, and then um, they start visits at eight a.m. and they end them at four. It's first come first serve. Certain days of the week? Uh, no. Every day. Every day. Besides, wait. I think I think no Tuesday and Wednesday. No Tuesday and Wednesday. That's what it was. I think. Yeah, there's no Tuesday and Wednesday. There's two days a week. Yeah, that's what it is. And um, they would... So say we came out at 8 o'clock and say the visit room was never at, like, max capacity with people waiting to get in. Like, people were coming in, and there'd be, like, 70%, and then people would leave, and then more people would come in. You could sit out there from 8 to 4. But if it was full, then you get two hours. So then after your two hours, they would kick you out. If there's, like, people waiting and you were the first one in... They would kick you out in the order you came in after two hours. But, like, I never got kicked out of it. There was a couple of times, like, buses, because, like, buses would come up from, like, Philly and stuff sometimes. And there'd be, like, a fuck ton of people, and, like, everybody's getting visited the same day. So, like, on days like that, like, I only live, my parents only live 45 minutes away from the jail. So, on, like, a bus day, like, my mom would be like, I didn't know a bus was coming. We'd stay out there for, like, a half hour, and I'd be like, that's cool. I'll see you in a couple days anyway, like, whatever. Yeah, Just because, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, like, I'm not driving six hours. Well, I'm not driving at all. But she's only driving, you know what I mean, 40 minutes. She's like, fuck. And it's so busy. Like, it's. Do you have siblings too that are yeah, coming? Yeah, I have to four siblings. And they came to visit you too? That's great. What's the uh, food like at the prison? Not good. I mean, like typical. But um, the thing that really sucks is just the portion size. Because some of the stuff tasted good, you just didn't get enough. You're like, damn. Like, it's always the best meals you get the least amount. No doubt. Like, and it's like, bro, like. I would have ate another tray of this. You know what I mean? Like, Well, that's where I guess the commissary hustles come yeah. into play. So what was the commissary like? And what kind of meals were you guys cooking? I feel like the same kind of meals most people make like regular. Like they call it, like, I don't know what you call your like hookup. Like people call it hookups. Like we call it Chi-Chi's in Pennsylvania. Chi-Chi's? Yeah, yeah, that's what they call like a 
like your random like soups, meat and cheese, and like all thrown together and shit. But like a lot of times, like towards the end of the bit, like everybody's making fried rice towards the end of my sentence. I saw one of your videos where you put water in the noodle thing. Yeah. I never saw that happen because we, I, really? I know. So the fed guys are spoiled. We have hot water dispensers yeah. and we have microwaves. And when the microwave breaks, there's multiple other microwaves at the camp. Some guys literally had microwave parts smuggled in from the street to fix the microwave if it would ever really? break. Yeah, it was crazy. But I saw your video and it just, it, the water like absorbs in the noodle. Yeah. Like that's crazy. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Like, And it puffs out in the bag. That's like the burrito. I saw the video you and Cliff made. Yeah. That was the coolest shit I've ever seen. I, I'll show you. It's, it's, it's very mm -hmm. interesting. And like, that's like a very like, yo, I don't, I, I'm broke right now. I got a couple soups. Like I just like, I don't feel like eating just a regular soup. Like I'll do this real quick. It's just a simple, you know what were I mean? Were you cooking or did you always have someone cook for it you? It depended on what we were making. Like if, if it was just me and my Sally eating, like I would cook, he would cook. It just depended on who didn't have as much going on. So like if it was block out, but I got a phone call, a pinochle game and then a phone call, like he's going to cook. But if he's like, yo, I got to, you know what I mean? Go do this and do that. But like, all right, like I'll cook or we'll throw it together. But like a lot of times we would throw it together while we're locked in, throw the water in at halftime, stick it in the stinger, leave it in the stinger for the next 45 minutes till we come in for the night and then eat it when we come in. And then what's it's already a, done. What's a stinger? Like an extension cord. And you guys do they have make them in that? We had them. Okay, Is yeah. it contraband for you? So yes. Well, so yes, but no. So like, like it's weird. So like, you're not allowed to have a stinger. It's like against the rules. But if they find a stinger, they just take it from you. Yeah. Like they don't write you up That's how it. they did it in the feds, yeah. If, you, if somebody trips the breaker, Somebody has to, because like their breakers are on like a four cell cycle. So like if somebody trips a breaker on, if the breaker trips in my cell, these two cells in this cell here are all dead on power right now. And we all have TVs in our cells. We all have fans. You know what I mean? Tablets that we need to charge. Like you need your power on. Like your what's on the tablet? Uh, music, emails. But like you have to pay for the music, obviously. And you can they the first like JPEG tablet they sold was just music and like emails that were obviously like watched. And how much is that? What, the tablet? It was like 212. And you could sit in your bunk emailing people? Yes, but you couldn't send them from your bunk. You had to go plug it in, in the machine. When you could only do that at certain times or whatever. Um, and then, <clears throat> one second, my phone. And then they got a new tablet that you could get games on and shit. And now they're talking about doing the ones with like the visits. Cause like they do that in like certain jails in like certain States. My buddy was just in ice holding and he would call me literally, you know, four times a day, like just honest John, like chilling, like, and, um, and my voice is really, you want some water, No, but, um, still in Pennsylvania, they don't have that. Now back to the stinger. Where do you yeah. guys get the extension cords? Are you like going to the library and cutting lamps and stuff? Oh uh, no, you just buy it on commissary. You could buy it. Yeah, because you because like I said, in Pennsylvania, you have TVs in your cell, your tablets, keyboards. You have all these things that need plugged in, and there's only you know two sockets, you know two two sets of sockets. On so you have four plugs, but it's just not enough. And a lot of times you're you know got a TV under the bunk or over here, and so it's just they sell extension cords. Now what's the currency? It was tobacco and tickets but then they stopped selling tobacco like four months after i came home so now obviously there's no more tobacco oh they sold tobacco pretty late right they sold tobacco until 2019 what was it dipping pouches or no it was cigarettes you could smoke cigarettes in the pennsylvania state yeah, prison until 2019 well, that's why i smoked my entire bed okay so it was cigarettes and you guys were just dealing could, cigarettes yes yeah, cigarettes you could you could buy packs of newports you how could much buy was a pack of like 13 dollars 
Okay. Or you could buy a pack of Kite for like three or four. You could buy cigars. You could buy Black and Milds, Philly Blunts. Could you smoke in the cell or no? So no, but everybody did. Like, where do you unless they would see you with the lit cigarette, they wouldn't say anything. Where do you get a lighter? You buy it on commissary. They sell lighters yeah. in the prison. That, that No yeah. one's catching things on fire or anything, trying to burn blankets? Once or? in a while. Once in a while it'll happen. But almost every like fire that I saw was an accident. Like nobody like intentionally did it. Oh, no. Like okay. it was like somebody was like making, you know, ink, burning soot for ink. And if tipped over and burned their rug and the, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. But like nobody was like really, I never saw anybody like set a fire for real. What's the craziest thing you saw in prison over your six years? The craziest thing that I saw. Um, I've seen, I saw a lot of crazy stuff. I saw multiple like 25 on 25 territory war from the streets. This is like, like race gang. Type no, stuff? it's not even race. It's like, so at this time it was, it was South Philly against, they called them the Africans, but basically it was people that were from West Africa that were living in Philly. I don't know what part. And they were like gang warring in the jail for whatever reason. So they were like going at it like on both sides of the jail because there's two sides of the jail and these blocks don't really interact with these blocks besides like school and work. So like they're getting in fights over there. So then they're getting in fights over here. They're sending them to the hole. And as soon as they get out the hole, they're going right back. So it's like a like ongoing thing. And like it ends up like culminating with like a 20 on 20, like multiple lifelines in. Um, there was a riot. So I got transferred. And then like three months later, there was like one of the biggest riots ever in Pennsylvania happened with like multiple COs like getting like damn near killed. This is at your prison. The, yeah, I had just left though. I wasn't there when it happened. Like I've told the story because like I know a lot of people that were there and like it's an interesting story to tell, but I wasn't personally there to like witness it happen. But um there was like people that got like sentenced to like 40 years for it and shit like and people they, died? Nobody died, but they they were like close. Like they called the snipers and they had shooters on the roofs of the jail and stuff. Like from the state police. That's wild. Sorry. Now, are inmates hooking up with female staff at all? Do you ever hear about that? So it does happen. Um, they how how always, does it happen? They almost always get caught. Just by kind of... Um, most of the time, it's like somebody they know. It's a lot of people from that area specifically. Or people that have just been down for a really long time that like have been around these people for like a very long time. Why do you think the guards entertain this? People are weird, man. I don't know. Is there just like an attraction to like sometimes, that? sometimes? Like I'm sure there's there's women staff that are like, damn, like, are these good looking women? I mean, not really, but like, there's you have a couple in every jail that are like, oh, she's pretty, you know what I mean? Or oh, she got a fat ass, like. But like, it's just one of those things where it's like, and what is it like a competition among the guys? Nah, like the people that you find out are fucking staff. You don't know they're fucking staff until they get caught. Yeah, like they're not, they're not like, oh yeah, bang, like it don't happen because they're like <laughs> so dead scared of like getting you know caught up. Like, did you have to work a job in prison? Yeah, so I worked in the kitchen, and then once I finished my group, uh, I went to the wood shop, and uh, got I got a trade in uh, cabinet making, and. Uh, I made a lot of knives. Knives? Yeah. That was my hustle for a little that bit. That was your hustle? For a little bit, yeah. For like a year. Did anyone ever do anything illegal with the knives? 
So the most illegal thing they did was like get caught with them. Okay. Because like people were dumb and like people were asking for like, like you don't need a 14 inch fucking piece of plexiglass, bro. Were they using that for a weapon or just to cook with? And No, 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 for a weapon. Okay. You don't need to smuggle anything to cook with. You can get everything you need right in the kitchen or right on the block. Okay. But, um, we all use, we all get like, I don't know, we get IDs in Pennsylvania, like actual like IDs. And everybody just uses That's what that. we use too, yeah. the red plastic yeah. ID. Um, How much are you charging for a knife? Like 50. $50 mm-hmm. to get one knife? Mm-hmm. So they're just giving you 50 commissary items or whatever the currency is. Normally there. 50 tickets. Wow. Yeah. That's nuts. And they pay me when I give it to them. You didn't ever feel bad like if they use that to hurt someone or anything? No, because one, a lot of times it was people that I already know that are coming to me. Two, people don't randomly get stabbed in prison. Like maybe that makes me a sh- you know a shit bag to say, but like if you get stabbed in prison, like there was a reason for that. Like that's like the most extreme thing that of the most extreme sort of violence that you can face in a prison. So if you're getting stabbed, like you told on someone, you're a sex offender. You know something like that's pretty much it. You're not just like, oh, me and you bump shoulders. Like, I need a knife so I can kill him. Like, it's not it's not that. You know what I mean? And to, and I know for a 100% fact that no knife that I made ever did get used while I was there. But that was only for, like I said, a year. I probably sold 30 knives in a year. I mean, it's just, and like a lot of them were two gang members. That so it's were, a pretty good hustle. Yeah. What about best, best bunk mate and worst bunk mate? Oh, best bunkmate. So best bunkmate is probably my best friend to this day, um, Brandon. We were cellies for like the end of our sentence. See, I had a lot of good cellies though. Um, so I can't really like, I not no. he was definitely my best cellie, but like there are other people that like, I wouldn't really like say that they were bad cellies at all. Like they were like my man Murph, that's still my dog. I called him on the way here. Like I talk to a lot of these dudes still to this day. Like I see Brandon on a daily basis. Like our coaches, his his kid is the one that I coach in literally like that was my celly from prison. That's awesome. Like that's not like, oh my sister's kid, like the kid that I've posted millions of times on my social media showing his sports shit is my homie from prison's kid that I see literally on a regular basis. Like I moved out there. Like cut you, that, cut you, that piece. <laughs> <laughs> you could make great bonds. Like I think a lot of people um, underestimate that, like your ability when you're with guys in prison. No, absolutely. To like, to form this bond and relationship with people. It's so. Here's the example I always use. Right. Say you meet someone. It's your freshman year of high school. Right. You meet new dude just moved to town. You meet him. Right. You guys hit it off real quick. You're like, oh damn, that's, he's cool, man. I like him. You know what I mean? We'll hang out. You guys hang out at school every day. You know me. Walk to cl- you got a couple classes together. You hang out before you get on the bus or whatever. Get your ride home. You hang out like you know one day a weekend, like every weekend though, right? You do that. Then boom, two years later, you guys got licenses. You guys are hanging out like every day for a couple hours. This and that. You guys graduate and you guys have known each other for years now. You're like I know everything about this person. Now put you in a cell with me for three months. I know you longer than him. I know you longer than this dude that you grew up with for four four years in 30, 60, 90 days because I'm with you at every moment. And these are also individuals that are going through like exactly the roughest shit through. of life. Yeah. Right. And that they're, they're, they're there most of the time. They're like, they're hardened individuals that they've experienced the rock bottom. Right. And they're, they're the realest dudes you'll ever meet. The ones that aren't snitches, aren't rats. Like they're the, the rider dies for you. Exactly. Exactly. 
That's a, that's a good way to describe it. That's awesome. What's the drug situation like? And are you doing any drugs inside prison? Like I got high once in a while, but like it was Aside wasn't from like, K2, of course. So yeah. like most of it was like Suboxone, which like I don't like. I don't really like opiates and shit like that. That was never like my thing. Like I did pills before I went to jail, but that was because it was like cool at that time. This was 2011. You know what I mean? Like people were like experimenting with perks and shit like this is before everything's fake. This is, you know what I mean? This is right before the opiate, like, opioid epidemic hits, though. Like, all these people that I was, like, experimenting with, like, I went to prison, and, like, they died or ended up in rehab multiple times. Like, and that could have just as easily been me. Like, I always say, like, oh, I was only fucking around for a couple weeks. I never was, like, dependent on any drug. But, like, I don't know that it would have stayed that way if I would have stayed free. I can't, I can't say that. You know what I mean? I don't know. But, like, drugs in jail just was never really, like, my thing. Like, like I said, like, everybody, not everybody, but, like, most people get high once in a while. Like, it's just, like, you're you're fucking bored, too. Like, you're like, oh, fuck it. Like, what's the worst thing that happens? Like, you take a drug test, you fail, you go to the hole. No. Okay, like, I'm still fucking in prison. Like, you are very laid back, go with the flow type of uh, person. But, like, that that's what, like, I was, the same way I am right now is the same way I was in there. Like, I talk to people. I try to make people laugh. You're a people try, person. That's well, that's I've always been that. And like my homies used to hate that shit when I was in jail. They used to always talk shit. They'd be like, bro, like, you don't have to talk to that person. You don't have to talk like bro, keep the circle small. I was like, bro, like I just be talking. Like they're fine. Like it's cool. Like I'm the only white dude sitting at the Puerto Rican table. I'm the only white dude sitting at the crypt table. Like, besides the white crypts. Like Nobody like cared. It was just like, oh, that's Shaggy. That's what they called me. They called me Shaggy. They're like, oh, that's Shaggy. Like, that's Shaggy. Cool. Like, there'd be situations where like we'd be on a basketball court, somebody new like be trying to like get tough or something. And I'd be like, yeah, like it's cool, bro. Like, whatever, do your thing. And then people want to see me like, bro, you go, bro, shaggy. you want that Shaggy, bro? You want that Shaggy? Like, Shaggy don't bother nobody, bro. Like, leave, leave Shaggy. Alone, that's bro. a great prison nickname. Like, so it just became like it was just. I was always the person like, yo, you cool? You need anything? Like, you good? Like, you need to talk? All right, let's go spin the track. Like, what's wrong? Oh, your mom died? Fuck. Like, I wasn't expecting you to say that, but, like, oh, let's talk about it. You're you know the prison I mean? therapist. Yeah, like, it just, you just get to know people the longer you're there. And, like, seven years ain't a short amount of time. Like, you start to know a lot of people. You know what I mean? Especially with the jail with 1,300 people, when 70% have less than three years to serve, it's always rotating. So then by the time you're leaving, you're one of the people that's been there longer than everybody else. And you're like, damn, like... You know, the only people that have been here longer than me are the people serving, you know, 10, 20, 15, 20 years. But most of them got transferred in after I did. So it's just, it is kind of crazy. Like, you just really do get to know a lot of people. Like, and then I ended up moving not far from the jail that I was in, like, a couple years after I came home. So now I run into these COs that, like, I knew, like, often, like, sometimes on a daily basis. Like, this dude that, like, I coach Little League, and one of the umps was, he worked security at the prison I was in. He was on the search team. He searched myself multiple times. I'm literally at a game. This is a year before I'm coaching. I'm at a game. It's a it's a playoff game. We're in the back, standing next to the bleachers, just drinking beer, me and a bunch of dudes, right, at the game. This dude comes up, I look at him, I was like, I know you. He's like, yeah, what's up, right? And I was like, where I know you? I was like, I know you from jail. He's like, yeah. And I was like, you work searching? He's like, yeah. He's like, hand me a beer. I don't give a fuck, bro. Like, do your thing. Like, whatever. He's like, he's umping the next game. Like, it's just normal people. There's people that follow me on social media that have literally reached out to me and been like, yo, I can't friend you on here because I don't want to get in trouble. But, like, yo, it's good to see you're doing good. 
or I run into a CEO, yo, like we're glad to see. It's always a lot of prison guards follow us. Oh yeah, like, oh yeah. I get so many comments saying, "Wow, you know, like this is true," and they'll they'll say, "This is true." I work at a prison. Yep. Like they relate to it because a lot of prisoners aren't talking to them on that personal level. Right. So they get to hear our perspectives after. Exactly. And it's kind of really, it's not like a mentality anti, you know, law enforcement or anything. They're coming on and they're interacting with us and they, they love the stories. They right. think it's great. No doubt. So it's interesting to see like that perspective. I ran into a guard that actually put me into the hole at the Danbury prison at a bar like a month ago. I had dated his cousin. He reported the conflict of interest and we just like caught up for an hour. He came up to me. He's like, dude, I'm sorry about the whole thing. Like I had to report it, but he was just like a cool, genuine dude. Right. And he just wanted to approach me and kind of like get my mindset into it. And like, I think that's great. No doubt. There shouldn't be the mentality of just because they're like a prison guard means that we can't talk to them or associate them. Right. Like that's the thing. Like as far as like being a CEO, unless you were a dickhead, like most of them in Pennsylvania are just doing their job. They make good money. They have a union. They have good benefits. They don't really got to fuck with you. You know what I mean? Those are the best guards. Like, the ones that would come and say, don't do it in front of me. Right. That's it. I don't want any paperwork on my shift. No yep. problems. Yeah. Like, there's never, like, I never have a problem with them. But there's certain CEOs that if I see, like, it, I, I wouldn't actually do anything. But, like, if I wasn't on papers, I'd probably risk it. Kyle, we don't want to hear that, bitch. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> you got to stay. You can't you know, run so, it. I'm, I'm, I got I got a message from someone that works in a prison that I was in maybe two months ago and said, hey, just wanted to give you a heads up. This person is talking about suing you for defamation of character. I saw that video, yeah. And I've talked about this man multiple times online. The, the problem was it's not defamation because you're a piece of shit. I hope you see this podcast too, you punk bitch. But... The whole thing is, I know he watches my shit. I've been hearing for years from CEOs that I run into. Like, oh yeah, such and such said he saw this video. Or I'll run into somebody and be like, oh my God, we saw this video you made about such and such. We're dying. And I'm saying such and such now because of the defamation thing. I ain't going to keep saying his name if he's, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's like, damn, like you're that mad at me? Or like, do you just think I make a lot more money than I do? Like, what's it like, bro? Like you make good money. You don't got to sue me, bro. It'd be all right. I see why 3 million people like you on social media, Colin. How much time did you end up serving in prison and what year did you get out? Uh, I served seven years and four months. Um, I got out February 28th, 2019, which is ironic because like I said, I sat for that five months in the county. The first four and a half was me waiting to get sentenced. Then I got sentenced. Then three weeks later, I went upstate. I actually got sent sentenced to my time February 29th, leap day of 2012. So I came out seven years to the day of when I got sentenced. Well, could you have gotten out earlier or was that the earliest? I could have gotten out November 6th of 2018. would have been the earliest I could have got out. And why didn't you get out at that day? So, um, like I said earlier, I don't know if you remember when I said, like, I'm not the smartest criminal in the world. So, um, my homie was like, yo, I got tattoo motors for sale. I was living with a tattoo artist at the time. Why would I not do that? Get bombed out eight months before I'm, I'm about to leave. Like, get finish my shit up. You know what I mean? I get the motor, I, I see him on the walk, I grab the motor, I come back, and I gotta go to group, because I don't know what like, kind of groups they make y'all do, but like I was in violence prevention. It's like the mandatory group, if you're like a violent offender, they make you do. They have low intensity, high intensity. That was, yeah, high, that was high intensity violence prevention. It was six months and three weeks. And if you missed more than two, they kicked you out and you had to restart it, and you can't go home without doing your group. So I'm in this group, and uh, 
the tattoo motor is just in my shoe because I didn't have time to really hide it, right? Mind you, we could we had a little tool that we had made to take the light off, like off the wall completely. So when I came back, I'm like, yo, let's put that let's put that motor up in the light. So boom, we pop the light off. We're putting it. We're in the process of putting the screws back in. And the door pops. Like, you can hear the door from the vestibule pop. Like, CEO's coming to the block. And uh, she's doing a round. She's our regular CEO. She, she's walking by. And, she, and all, this is all she's saying. She's walking by East Sales saying, search team, search team's on the block. Search team, search team. So, search team's in a bubble. So, we're like, okay, fuck. We got to make sure we get this shit. Because if you touch the light, you're going to know that it's, you can't get it as tight as you want it. So, we're up there, like, trying to, like, crank on this fucking thing to get it closed. And they come up and they're like, search team, they're coming to y'all. And we're like, what? And she's, like, and she's walking away. Now she's like facing the way. She's like, search team 22 cell, they're coming to y'all. So like, oh, okay, fuck. So they come up. And I look at They knock on the door. I'm sitting on the toilet, rolling a cigarette, right? And uh, my homies, my cellie's on the bed watching TV. They come to the door and they're like, hey, go ahead and uh, cuff up. I'm like, wait, what? Or no, no, no. They said, well, go ahead and slide your ID out under the door, which means you're going to the hole. So I'm like, yo, what you mean? Like, no, like, stop playing. I'm like, stop playing. They're like, no, like, go ahead and slide that, slide that ID up under the door. I'm like, for what? They're like, man, we don't know. It's an investigation. And they brought you the whole. I'm like, bro, what the fuck? So yeah, we slide our IDs out. <laughs> they come. They brought both of you. They brought both of us, right? So we get to the whole. They serve us our paperwork, which is literally, you are being placed under investigation. So basically, all I mean, they can hold you for 15 days, renew it, hold you for another 15 days, then they gotta let you out or write you up. So I'm like, okay, but the investigation isn't supposed to hurt your group. But if I miss too many, I'm gonna be fucked. Yeah. So I'm like, what the fuck, right? So like two hours later, more paperwork comes out of the door. Possession of contraband, tattoo motor. So I'm like, what? and you both get hit with the charge. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, but they don't send you to the hole in an investigation for shit like this. So the investigation has nothing to do with the motor. We got hit with the investigation. They found the motor while they're searching our shit because of whatever the investigation's for. So I'm like, what the fuck? Like this fucking corny. My Sally has like four or five years left, right? So if, if I have four or five years left, I'd be like, you're about to see Pro eat a motor, whatever. And he doesn't eat the motor. He's like, damn, bro, that's crazy. I'm like, you, you wanted me to get the fucking motor. He wouldn't do that for you, huh? Like the whole thing was, I'm going to buy the motor, give it to you, you're going to tap me up, and then you can go make your money with it. That was the whole thing. Yeah. So I'm like, all right. So you lose some good time or whatever. They don't do good time in PA. Right, so you lose some. So I, I, I get denied parole the first time I go. Oh, because of that? Yeah, incident. because of that. They told me it was that and I was a risk to the community. But if you get denied for anything, they put on there that you're a risk to the community. It's like a, they just slap it on there. And then six months later, you got out. Yeah. So in Pennsylvania, so my minimum, like I said, was November 6th. That was my minimum date. That's when I could have got out. You see parole four months before that, before your minimum. And that gives you time to get a decision back, get your home plan done, take a drug test that you pass, do all that shit you got to do before you get out. So you see him four months before. So I get a six month hit, but it's not six months from your minimum. It's six months from when you saw them. So realistically, I'm only seeing parole two months after I should have been home. And the process moves quicker when you're already denied because you're not waiting on a minimum date. So like you can have all your home plan stuff done in a month and then wait three months to leave. 
because that's your minimum. But once you're over your minimum date, you're just waiting to know what date it is. So I saw them January 23rd of 2019, and I was home February 28th. Now, not long after you got out, your father passes away? Yeah, he, he passed away April 12th, 2019. Did you feel regret that you didn't get to spend those years with him prior to his death because you committed a crime? Yeah, so I, so yeah, like me and my dad, like I said, we didn't get along like that. We had a lot of, you know, animosity towards each other for a lot of years. And, um, you know, we worked on that shit a lot while I was in jail. He would come up and see me while I was in prison and shit. And we really got in a lot better of a place. And then he got sick. So it was kind of like, it was kind of corny because it was like, damn, like, we finally were on like a good place where it's like, okay, I'll come home and actually have like a normal like relationship with my dad. You got some closure. And then it was like, nah, we, we not doing that, bro. No. Check no. it out. <laughs> so then he was like, yeah, I'm going to go out, chill over here in this box and, uh, you know, because we got him cremated and shit. Yeah. So um, I see the videos you make with him. That's been like an iconic staple <laughs> of your brand. That's crazy. So yeah. Wow. So he passed like a, like it was six weeks. How was your mental health after that? So like a lot's going through your mind. You're getting out of prison, starting over, and your father passes. What's that like? So it was rough, but like my dad was sick for years. Like he had dementia. Like he had been diagnosed for five years. Like he, yeah, he died young. He was fifty to get the to get diagnosed with dementia at forty five is crazy. Like I don't know if you just heard that Bruce Willis got diagnosed with dementia. Yeah, it's the same exact form. It's rare, but it's the most common in like younger people. Bruce Willis is sixty seven. My dad was forty five. That's more than twenty years younger. You know what I mean? So by the time I came home, like. It took my dad, like, a full day to, like, realize really who I was. Like, he called me his burglar for, like, the first two days I was home. <laughs> but um, it was just, you don't want people to die. But, like, at that point, it wasn't, his quality of life was so bad at that point. Like, completely, you didn't do anything. You couldn't do anything, mm -hmm. you know? Did you come out of prison knowing you didn't want to get involved in crime anymore? Yeah, I knew that for, like, I'd, I'd known I was done with that for, like, damn near as long as I was in. Like, it was very quick where it was like, all right, like, that was it. Do you think that prison sentence was, like, just in the sense where it gave you a good wake-up call? Like, if they only gave you, like, a year, do you think you would have been back on the street doing more stupid things? I can't say that I would have for sure, but there was a lot more of a possibility. When you do a lot of time, like, when you do a year, it's like, oh, like... It's a year. Yeah, it's a year. But, like, when you do multiple, multiple years, like, you really got to think. Like, especially, like, being on parole for as long as I am. Like, if I do something, I they take my street time. They give me a parole hit on this number I'm already on, which would probably be for, like, a serious felony, three years. Would have to do that parole hit and then see the parole board. Then if I got paroled, then I would start doing the time for the case that I caught. Do you feel like you're walking on eggshells all the time? No, because I don't do shit. So you just, you're confident in I'm, yourself? I'm and... good. Like, there's nothing that I do that I'm like, oh, this is like a little shady. You're like, oh, I probably shouldn't do that. Like, it's just me like living my life normal as anybody would. How's your relationship with your parole officer? Good. Uh, Chip? Question. Are the texts real that go on social media? No. <laughs> they're fake. They are. Well, do people know they're they fake are. or but are you they, being exposed? They're, they're fake in a way. Okay. 
because they are real to a person, but he's not my PO anymore. It's your old PO. It's my old PO. Okay, I don't have him anymore. That's fair. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do that because it's like... Why did you decide to go on social media and essentially become like this world-renowned prison talker? So when I came home, my sister, who is, she'll be 16 in April. So at this time, she's like 11, about to be 12. And she's making, she's doing all these TikTok dances, all these TikTok dances. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, she's just dancing like, randomly throughout the house. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm making a TikTok. Oh, I'm making a TikTok. She's like, you should download it. I was like, I don't, I don't watch dancing. She's like, no, there's a bunch of stuff on it. So I was like, all right. So I downloaded it. <laughs> I started watching it. I was like, this is funny. I started like talking to her. I'm like showing her videos and shit that are like, whoa. I should not, I should probably, should like, humor that's, like, way too old for her. But, like, I'm just like, yo, this is funny. She's like, that's fucked up. And it's this one, like, there was real humor on the app back then. Now everything's very recycled. But, like, back then, like, you would find, like, people, like, doing, like, very, like, there wasn't, like, everybody wasn't so niche-specific back then. Everybody was just doing, like, random shit, trying to figure it out. And, um, like, the biggest people on the app, like, the biggest people on the app, all they've done is like lip synced and danced. So you come on and you're doing, what's your first video? My first video is me talking shit about people that were messaging me on Facebook, asking me, hey, how you been? I'm like, bitch, how you think I been? You acting like we won't be friends now. Like, I didn't expect you to do that for me while I was in prison. I didn't expect that. But you don't gotta act like we owe each other these pleasantries now. But we ain't talking eight years. So you're like the creator of prison talk then. So when I started creating content on TikTok, there was one other person that was talking about prison on TikTok, but his name was Justin Demented, but he wasn't really talking about prison. His content wasn't prison. His content was food and prison food and would just like talk about jail here and there. I was the first one. And then after me, it was Burner420. That was really like full answering everything that people asked about prison. And you just, you blew up. Like, you're, how many followers do you have right now? 2.6, like, I'm like 100 away from 2.7. What was that like, just getting yourself out there, blowing up? I mean, you hold the, what, the record of posting the most amount of uh, videos at a certain amount of time, too? So, <laughs> so, it was crazy because, like, I found, like, quick success, or what I thought was quick success, where I went from, like, my second video, blows up, goes viral, I'm at, you know, 10,000, 12,000, 15,000 followers. Then I kind of hit a lull. And then I started making, I was at, it was the day after I hit 20K. I can run you through, like, my memory is very good. I can run you through all this shit. It was the day after I hit 20K and I said, like, damn, I need a video idea. And I was like, yo, if you ever get pulled over, here's what you do. Biggest video ever at that time. Goes viral. I'm gaining 20K. I make that a series. I get to 100K. It's like four months after I started. So I'm like hype. I'm like, damn, four months, 100K? Like, let's go. That's lit. You know what I mean? And then I get hacked. I get hacked by my ex-girlfriend. She knows my password. So she logs and deletes all my videos. Oh, wow. So now I got no content. None. You start over. So I'm like, fuck. Like, and I was so sick because I had like, I had like 2.2 million likes. I'll never forget on my account. And I was like, and then I had like none. And I was like, I'm never going to get 2 million people or 2 million likes on these videos again. You know what I mean? I start posting again, start posting again, start posting again. Summer hits, and I'm at like just over 200K. And then 
a combination of me playing basketball, talking about prison and telling people to suck my dick culminated in me gaining 800K in like two and a half months. Why do you think people gravitated to you so much? I'm a, so, so many people have said it to me and like, it's easy to say it about yourself. Be like, oh, I'm the same on and off camera, right? But that's been like the one thing that people have always told me, like, you're just authentic. Like you are just being you. Like I've met literally, literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And everybody said the same shit. Like, damn, like you act exactly the same. And I think that's what it is. It's like, I'm just a dude making videos. You know what's so great about your brand though? And you don't see this with a lot of brands, even celebrities in general. It's that like when I got on prison TikTok, people were tagging you on my videos to kind of like get your opinion. You became like this big, big brother person that people could relate to. People idolized you. People really care for you and show you a lot of love. Right. Like if you were going through a tough situation, you went out there asking for help, they would help you. You post ads about, hey, can you download this to get me to the World Series? People are there for you. Right. How does it feel to have, you know, that gift, the second chance at life to be able to inspire people and to have so much power at your thumbs to like control the narrative. It's weird. It's weird because like, for me, it is just me being me. So to have anybody be like, yo, you inspire me to want to do better. Or yo, you give me hope that when my brother comes home from prison, he'll do better. Like, like that's awesome to me. You know what I mean? And like, I haven't really talked about this, but like my whole goal is to start a cult, right? No, I'm kidding. But, um, <laughs> no, it's just, it is incredible. Like, I never dreamed it would be what it is, ever. You know what I mean? And it's funny because, like, I'll, my homies call me from jail all the time. And, like, when I'm telling them about it, they're like, they're telling me, like, yo, bro, everybody in the jail is talking about you. Like, everybody, yo, this person, this CEO saw this video, was like, yo, do you guys see the video that Raymond, they're put, showing them shit on the TV, on the computer in the bubble and shit. Like, my homies have seen I mean, because you're, you're an inspiration, dude. You and, like, it's just crazy because, like, and it's funny because my homies, it goes back to what I said earlier, my homies are like, damn, like, it's crazy, like, now this shit makes sense. Like, remember, I used to always tell you, like, you ain't got to talk to everybody, you ain't got to be nice to everybody. He's like... I guess it makes sense that that's the way you are. Like for you to be doing what you're doing now, like makes a lot of sense. Do you feel like this was like your destiny? This was your path? I don't, I don't, I don't know. So my whole thing was I wanted, my whole plan was to come home, go to college, save money to go to college, to get a degree in social work, to be able to talk to at-risk youth to, you know, try to get them to go a different path than I did go into like youth facilities and stuff like that and talk to people and be like, hey, you don't want to be where I was. But now, instead of having to go to college, I'm able to do that for way more people and get all the same opportunities that I was trying to get by going to college, except I'm getting paid to do them. So is content creation your full-time job? Yeah, content creation's been my full-time job since 2020. And what's everything you do aside from content creation? What what else do you do? Uh, I work for three. I'm on the board of three different nonprofits. I coach Little League. And uh, I pretty much do, like, anything in the community that they ask me to do. And, like, I get asked to do quite a bit sometimes. Like, um, in in August, my buddy calls me. He's like, hey, he's like, the high school band's raising money at this, like, drive. They want to know if you'll come out here and get pies thrown in your face for a half hour. So I was like, yeah, when is it? 
We're all about to, me and all my family are about to go to the Steelers uh, preseason game. I'm not a Steelers fan, but they all are. So I'm like, yeah, we're going to go to this game. I was like, what time is it? Okay, cool. I'll run out there real quick, take these pies to the face, run back, jump in the shower, get in the car and leave. I run out there. We there, It's a dollar per pie, which is just shaving cream, unfortunately. I would have rather it have been a pie. A dollar a pie or like $5 for like the, you step up and you get to put it in my face. And we raised almost $900 in a half hour. And then I was like, got to go, jump with shaving cream all over, jump in the car, drive back to the house. But, like, they said they needed help. So I went out, and, like, they sent me a very – I just got it recently, like, Christmas. They sent me, like, a really nice card, like, thank you so much for coming out. And it's just cool that, like, to even be – to be known in any community – with a past or not, for people to be like, yeah, like that's the dude to go to, like he can help do this, or you know, he's down to help do that, is cool. To be a felon doing that, to be like, yo, they're coming to you to be like, oh, like this is what we're trying to do, that's pretty cool. Do you struggle with your mental health at all as a content creator? Like I know I'll wake up some days and I just don't wanna post. Like it's just like, it's a struggle to get up and have to post. You're putting your life out there for so many people. And it's just like, it's, it's exhausting. So what's that like for you? So it is exhausting. It is, it is. And the good thing too is like, I have so many videos that I can find a video from and recycle. two years ago that people don't remember. And they, they know because I've had so many different hairs. Like, I don't know if you've seen like my older videos, but like at one point I had pink hair I've that was seen like those. this. Yep. Then I had orange with a green beard. Then I had orange. Then I had red. Then like I had the blonde. A leprechaun. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> like there was a. There's been a lot going on. So you can always tell by one of my videos from like what year or like what part of the year it was. Like, like pretty much like my hair right now is pretty much how it was at the beginning of 2020, which was when I found like my first like real like big success with it. So like that's why I'm, that's not why my hair is like that. But um, it's just one of those things where it's like it does get tiring sometimes. But, like, you just got to keep pushing through. My last question for you, what's your message to the kid that's in high school causing trouble, maybe running with the wrong crowd, and, you know, doing things just to try to fit in to be cool? What's your message to that person? First off, you're not cool. You were in high school. Ain't none of y'all cool. What's cool is growing up and really knowing who you are, really discovering who you are in your heart. You're gonna fuck up. Doesn't have to be nearly as extreme as I made it or as you know Ian made it, but you do not have to let your past define your future. And I stand by that. People do deserve a second chance, whether you wanna believe it or not. And there will be people that will never give that to you, but there'll be more that do give you that second chance and welcome you back and really you know want the best for you than people that don't. Like the hate's easy to see, the hate's very easy to see, but there's always much more love. You just, the hate stands out a little in a different way. So just stop fucking up. That's it. Colin, thank you for coming on Locked In, man. I, I'm really happy I got to meet you. I'm happy you came. I'm happy we did this and really excited to see you continue to grow your brand and be that staple message to the world. I definitely appreciate the opportunity. Um, definitely a dope setup. I'm excited to see, you know, all the episodes you have coming forward and, uh, just keep doing your thing. You're doing good too, man. Don't let nobody tell you no different. Not time to kick your ass in some food competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Sounds good. <laughs>